and welcome back to Flash Knockdown. It's season four, episode number six. We're home once again in London for this Saturday show. I'm your host, Jamie Ward, alongside producer Scott Hamilton. And here's what we have coming up for you all on today's show. I caught up with both sides of the main event, Liam Dillon and Rhys Bellotti, ahead of Saturday's Super Featherweight British and Commonwealth Showdown. Spider, Craig Richards is back. He reflects on his defeat last time out. And new life under Shane McGuigan. 3-0 Cameron Vong looks to climb up our coach trip challenge quiz leaderboard and tell all on trainer Jamie Moore. John Hedges speaks brilliantly on his ring return and runs over the best things to happen in boxing last week. It's our next-gen London show preview. Don't go anywhere. Well, it's been a long time coming, but I'm very happy to be able to say after 19 months out the ring, yes. Craig Spider-Richards is back. Back in full effect. Back. <laughs> How does it feel? Feels good. Feels good. It's uh, feels surreal. I'm happy, though. Um, watching boxing all this time, stressful knowing that you want to be in there on the other side of the ropes. And now I've got the opportunity. I'm just happy. You've been doing this for so many years, Craig. Yeah. But, you know, we were joking before the press conference, like... I hope I remember how to do everything. It's the same with anything, right? When you've been off it a while. Yeah. What's going through your mind right now? Is there a bit more nerves than perhaps you've been used to previously? Technically, for, for some reason, there's not. I don't know if that's a bad thing. Um, <laughs> but maybe I forgot how hard it is in there. Yeah. So I'm a bit relaxed. But um, jokes aside, it's just obviously I've been sparring. I've stayed in the gym. The whole time of this 19 months, I haven't left the gym. So even when I was injured, I was doing other things in the gym. And I've been sparring plenty of rounds. And I've been doing well in the spars and in the rounds but it's different size gloves no head guards the crowd's there the pressure's on so it's just remembering to do everything under the lights that's the difference I can't believe your last fight was Boazzi yeah feels like so long ago I know it was, was May, May 2022 yeah wow that's coming up two years in yeah. two months yeah 19 months such a long time but so much has changed for you as well Craig away yeah. from boxing you, you've returned with a new team yes firstly when you were looking around trainers yeah. And after you decided that you felt with Peter Sims, you've said before it was very amicable and you know you just felt it was time to, to look at new options. Mm -hmm. yeah. When you were looking around, why did Shane McGuigan stick out to you and how long did it take you? Did you go to other gyms? I didn't end up, to be honest. I've always looked at Shane McGuigan since before I turned professional and I watched him in corners, um, watched him with like George Groves and I thought, every fight I saw him involved with, Josh Taylor, etc., I thought, Obviously, these are good fighters, but the game plans they went into each fight with was very good. And I used to always sit with the family and stuff and be like, ah, he always got good, like that. Ah, he's always got good tacticians, Shane, ain't he? For every fight. And um, I've watched him around and I've seen every single fighter who's turned in his gym and gone through them doors. I've always been better. They've always improved. And some of the fighters who then left didn't actually decline. And it showed that he has a big impact with his fighters. And it wasn't too long I was around him and he's given me advice certain times while I was sparring and stuff and I thought very knowledgeable number one and then two I was in his gym and I watched his work effort and I was like wow he knows what he's doing and he picked up a lot of my flaws straight away and told me what I was doing right and what I was doing wrong and corrected a lot of things and I was like he understands my style and understands me as a fighter and how to get the best out of me so it was a decision what wasn't long to be made like within the week of being there I was like where's the paperwork <laughs> put me in sometimes I think with fighters you know when they go to a new gym it's almost like they're starting out again yeah everything's a bit different new environment has it been like that for you like the refresh the refreshing 
sort of impact that you needed at this stage of your career. Yeah, 100%. It's like when you go to school, you go primary school, you go through the years with the same class, etc. You get to year six and then eventually it's like you're going secondary school. Oh, big school. Like, oh, big school. <laughs> new friends. How am I going to take it? Terrifying. New teacher, new school. So it was a bit of that. Um, but the good thing about the thing is because I've been down there quite often sparring and I've yeah. known a lot of them prior to joining the gym. Like Ellie, I've known from when I used to be at the Lynn Amateurs. Um, I know her family and her uncle and that quite well. Obviously, I used to spar loads of rounds with Daniel Dubois. So I used to see Caroline quite a lot then. Adam Azine used to be trained down at the Peacocks when I was down at the Peacocks. And obviously, I was doing loads of rounds with Chris Bill and Smith prior to this already. So I kind of had a, some form of relationship with every order boxers at the gym already and then obviously me and Shane would cross paths over the years anyway so it wasn't new in terms of the people it was just new in learning new skills and styles and gelling with a coach it's almost like it was a match made in heaven really yeah I, I, that's surreal that you, yeah. you had you know different I mean I know boxing's a small world we know that but yeah. it's really interesting that you knew everyone in the gym obviously big yeah. shout out to, to Ellie Scottney Come on. Uh, our good friend Ellie but you, yeah. you know, talked about the sparring there I've been down to the gym before and I've watched you spar yeah. Chris Billum Smith was that for the his fight with Akoli did they bring you in? Mm, Trying to think. Maybe the one before. Might have been the one before that. Yeah, I sparred, I sparred him a lot of most of his camps. Good rounds, though. Yeah. And Shane McGuigan was always very, very complimentary about Craig Richards. Yeah, yeah. I think, like, he looked at me as a fighter and saw that there were certain things that he would like to work with and he could see my ability. And obviously, I could see him as a coach, um, his ability as a coach. And I respected him as a coach, respected him as a fighter. And I think the gel of the two working together it will gel well like we both got belief in each other to move forward let's talk about what this section of the podcast is designed to do craig so it's called dealing with defeat because it it ties into your return yeah really because we were talking earlier at the press conference about how well that fight with dimitri bivol has aged yeah looking at the fighter he is now and what he's gone to achieve for you when you you look at the owen boxing yeah Losing that stigma over the years, you know, for, for yourself, building off of that first defeat, in what ways did that impact you? Was is, has, has it been something that you have able to turn into a positive somehow? Yeah, I'm more of an optimistic person when it comes to things like that. I'm not someone who's going to go home and feel sorry for myself. I'm going to go home and think, what can I do to make that not happen again? What do I need to do to improve? How can I correct my flaws to make sure I'm better next time? And it just makes me go to the gym and just want to work harder. And that's why it's always frustrating period when you can't get out there and start making things right. You just want to make it right. And I've had my head down every, ever since every fight. I'm head down and just trying to improve and get better. And I think the fact of the matter is, yet again, going back to being with Shane McGuigan, he's the type of guy, he loves improvements. He's a workhorse as well. So, and he likes to improve fighters. I like to learn. So this is why coming off the back of these sort of fights and having someone who wants to progress you as much as you want to progress is, is ideal. What defeat, in reflection, when you had time to, to think about it, hurt more in the aftermath? Was it the close fight with Dimitri Bivol or the South London derby with Joshua Boatsy? Um Equally the same, but the Boatsy fight, it was like, mm, what did I do? Why? What did I do wrong in the fight? It was more... Bivol one was quite straightforward. It was like, you just didn't start quick enough. The Boatsy one, there was rounds I won, he round. And like, as at the end of the fight, you had a few people, Buncees, etc. A few people came up and said, I thought I had you one round up. You had some people saying, I had it a draw. Some people had him up a round. And it was a fight that was in the balance. And it was like, what do I do from now on to stop having close fights? 
what do I do to make these convincing and it because of the injury also it gave me time to sit down and really reflect to myself as a fighter and what I could do better and where I'm going wrong and look at it from the other side of the point of view why does why would people give not give me certain rounds that I think is close and that's what I've done I reflected on that and I could say okay I could see where they could give him rounds and stuff because of the time off with the injury it was more time to reflect I think than the Dimitri Bivol one how is the injury now completely body feels good and what was the, the injury as well I ripped a ligament in my hand um, and displaced my tendon um, it wasn't great um, but then even when I came back early I was meant to fight in the year it was just recovered which um, it may have still been a touch fragile after I fought but the good thing about it is the delay allowed it to be stronger and then I end up doing a lot of strength work on the hands and now my hands are actually stronger than before I got them injured so yeah they're perfect ready to go and in terms of this weekend Boris Crichton yes what version of Craig Richards do you think we're going to see when you tie in everything you've been able to learn through the setbacks you've had in, in your career to this new training team this rejuvenated version what, what version do you think we're going to see of yourself I think more of a refined version more of a professional approach um, more of a mature performance I think but if I see an opportunity, I know he's tough, I will go for it. <laughs> what, uh, what would be your advice, Craig? I always ask fighters on this section to young fighters who are perhaps, you know, there's a big fight there for them and <clears throat> maybe they're putting their unbeaten record on <clears throat> on the line against another unbeaten fighter. But they're rumming and ahhing, is it too soon? Is it the right time? What would be your message to these young fighters that, you know, at some point in your journey you have to take that leap of faith and if it doesn't go right yeah. it's not the end of the journey yeah. what, what would be your advice from what you've experienced uh, my advice would be just make sure trust in your team make sure you've got someone you can trust in your corner if you can trust your person they say it's that time don't overthink it get in the gym just work as hard as you can um, dedicate yourself to the cause and give 110% so that way whatever happens in that fight you have no regrets you know you've given everything and it just means you're not good enough at the time if you come up short and you reflect and you may be better than you think you was uh, maybe the challenge wasn't as hard as you thought it was you'll never know till you get in there but all I'd say is just work very hard and give 110% to the court to the, to the fight up and coming fight you've got I'm just finally Craig I do want to ask you so full focus on Boris Crichton of course he's of course. a he's a game opponent who's going to come to win you heard him today at the press conference but seeing interviews with Shane McGuigan that there has been some early talks of potentially Craig Richards versus Anthony Yard in the match from Queensbury 5v5. Yeah. I know you can't say too much. If that was even the case, you'll know a lot more than, than me. But why would that appeal to you, the idea of, of being involved in that? The fi uh, 5 versus 5 sounds good because it's over in Saudi and I heard Saudis pen a lot. <laughs> 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 so <laughs> that would always interest me um, in one way. But in the second way, um, Shane's obviously good at his job because he's not let me know anything to do with anything apart from this Saturday so maybe I'll know more if there is any talks of me jumping in something like that after this weekend he may come up to me and say oh by the way I've had some talks for you we'll soon find out how would that fight go you and Anthony Yard <laughs> I, I, would, I would hate to I would hate to call it <laughs> I'd hate to call it but he's a good competitor I've known him for a long time he's a good fighter obviously I believe in myself though I believe in my skills and my ability. Well, Craig, after 19 long months, yes. I speak on behalf of everyone, we're looking forward to seeing you back. Oh. Craig Spider Richards returns to the ring against Boris Crichton. We're looking forward to this one, Craig. Yes. Back in the mix at 175. Come on. All eyes on Saturday Live on Design.
Well, talking of a bit of time out the ring, that conversation always comes up in boxing. It's always a difficult time for young fighters. But for you, John Hedges, who is our next guest to go over the best things to happen in boxing last week, it was an important break, wasn't it? One you needed. How are you feeling now a few sleeps away from your ring return? It feels like a fresh start sort of thing. And, and that's kind of like, in a, in a way, everyone was saying, I was just finding my momentum and I was probably getting to where everyone wanted me to be. And then this kind of happened. But in my head... I was getting to where I wanted to be with one hand, so I was thinking to myself, when this when I get this hand operation done, I'm going to be in another another level of game, and I, I can actually do a full camp. Everyone's got injuries. I don't like to make excuses and things like that, but every camp was a bit interrupted, so now I've had a full camp behind me, and yeah, mate, buzzing. Just even back on that press conference today, what a what a buzz, back in front of it all. What was going on with, with the injury? What was holding you back? So um, I basically... there's. Everybody has like your, you've got two bones in your hands. Oh, I sound very scientific now. Well, but, uh, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. <laughs> um, I don't know the exact words, but they rub against each other. There's a little tiny gap in between in, in between the two bones. So basically, I had a bone graft. I had a bone took off my hip and put into my hand. And in that bone now, there's no gap. So there's no swelling. There's no. What basically was happening is, as I, I kept rupturing the same point, all the tendons above the bone were basically ruptured. There's no so there's no protection barrier. And your body's clever. As soon as it feels like there's a pain, it will swell up. For us boxers, it's a nightmare because as soon as it swells up, as soon as you throw basically a good shot, it swells up, then you've got to get the ice on it, heat therapy to get it gone, and then before you know it, you're back in spiraling and it happens again. So it's kind of like a continuous circle. You never really got to the end of it. But now I've had the operation, I'm whacking and it's like I'm waiting. I'm kind of sitting there waiting to get the ice bucket out and we haven't had to do it. So it's uh yeah it's it's stop the stop starting and and that's that's all we can ask is better. And what do you think will be the results of this for you in the ring? Because like you say about finding form, the stoppages were starting to come as well. Is that something that you think will help that? Definitely. Like now it's, I've got confidence. Like where before I was always a bit oh like I didn't. This is a mad thing to say. I was never I'm never worried about my opponent to be honest with you. Because look we've got good amateur backgrounds. We've been boxing all our lives. If if we can't do it on a night, that's that's one of them things. I, I genuinely I'm very confident with most fighters. So. It's more to me, it was like, I hope my body allows me to do it. And now I've had that done, peace of mind. Let's go, let's have a fight, let's have a scrap. Whatever he wants, let's do it. I'm, I'm there for it. Well, where are you at right now in your mind? Because you're, you're eight fights in. Yep. This is your third eight-rounder. So no, second, second. Second eight-rounder, yep. pardon me. So, so where are you at now, this year? What does it look like for John Hedges? This year is, is an active year. Um, all eyes on Saturday. I've, like I say, I've took on a decent opponent here with 25 fights, 20 wins. He's 12 knockouts as well 12 knockouts he, do you know what I mean he, he's, this is what people don't realise it's not like he's he's kind of getting rid of the opponents he should if you look at his record he's knocking the ones out which he should knock out so so yeah all eyes on Saturday I don't want to take my mind off it but this year is about getting about um, I genuinely believe I'm a southern area or above already to be honest with you so I don't want to say start shouting names because there isn't no one I want in the division I just want the belt and whoever I've got a face to get it that's the level I believe I'm at but yeah let's get Let's get Kadrija, I believe it is, on Saturday. Kadrija, correct. <laughs> get him out of the way on Saturday, and then we'll look forward. Great stuff. We look forward to seeing you back in the ring, John. We are going to move to some questions from the fans now, so I'll hand over to Scott just to read those out, and then we'll have a little chat. Cheers, Jamie. John, this is um, a section of the podcast called The Best Thing to Happen in Boxing Last Week. And with your, your good friend, Johnny Fisher, Boxing in yep. Vegas, we thought you was a good man to get <laughs> to yeah, uh, discuss good. some of the talking points. So a couple of shouts from the fans saying the best thing to happen in boxing last week was the Bosch Army in Vegas scenes. Well, do you know what? I heard people saying, like even like Mike Costello, reminiscent of the early Ricky Hatton days, to bring 200 fans over from Essex in February is no easy feat. Um, is it one, though, when you were watching from home, you, you wished you'd been able to be a part of? 
Definitely. I like listen, every every young fighter wants to fight in America and do you know what, Jamie? We was kind of having this conversation, me and Mark, because Tibbs we're in the gym and it, it was like it would have kind of made sense for me to box over there potentially because I could have we could have all trained out there together, had the camp and we wouldn't have had to break camp. But looking at it from an outside view, I didn't think I deserved the right yet. I'm, I've just come back from injury. I don't want to walk straight into the American dream and start se selling myself the dream that I've earned it because basically I've had a year out of the ring. I need to go earn my stripes this year and then please God next year it's a away day there and an American American away day. So that's how I see things. But for Johnny, it couldn't come at a better time. He's just won his Southern Area title on top form. He, he deserves it. He sells a great ticket, like you just said there. And the Run For Ball Army, mate, it's a, it's a tribe. It's a, it's a cult, I call them, because they, they follow each other, man. And, and, that, and that's what it's about. Ricky Atten, he showed it. And it could, like you say, it could be the start of seeing an, another Ricky Atten following. I think it's really quite refreshing that you, you feel that way. It's a very yeah. mature outlook to have. Because, look, being here in the Fight Week Hotel, it could be easy for young fighters to get carried away you know you're in front of camera your instagram followers are going through the roof but you know is it important for you john as well when you're in the gym you understand you're all on your own journeys like you say and there isn't this ego thing that sometimes you can see with young fighters yeah definitely like at the end of the day we're fighters we're not we're i love the media as you can tell I, I'm, I'm not bad on the camera i like to talk and things like that but Do you? yeah <laughs> I, I don't stop you know what i mean <laughs> um yeah ultimately if if we can't fight then all of this is nothing and that's my biggest thing is I, I think if you take your eyes off the boxing side of things you've got a very short career and I want to earn my stripes I don't want to like I say with the opponent I come back to that quite a bit because I feel like you see young fighters and no names it's not putting blame on anyone because everyone's on their own journey but I feel like don't kid yourself if I'm going to be exposed expose me now let me put the wrongs right and, and, and then I'm going to be in this game for a long time do you know what I mean so these sort of fights are the ones you need you need the good records even if they ain't box the best, if they're, if they're winning fights, they come to win. And when he gets in them ropes, I know this man on Saturday night is coming to beat me. He's won 20 times before. It's no new thing for him to win. So when he gets in that ring, I know I've got to turn up. And, and that is when you're going to see the best. And that preps you for, for the like the bigger fights. Do you know what I mean? If you, no good fighting someone who you're going to crack and go on the back foot. And you never know, this Saturday that could happen. But the training count has been, this fella's coming to win. I'm going at it 110%. This is my world title on Saturday night. I think um, just to echo what Jamie said then, well said, John. That was really refreshing and really mature of you to put it like that. It's uh, good to hear. Next shout, again, from various people, saying the best thing to happen in boxing last week was Bivol and Baturbiev getting finalised by His Excellency. Well, your old weight division. Yeah. They're, they're <laughs> stacking up now, them old, them old weight divisions. <laughs> yeah. One, six, eight, still on the cards? No, no oh, return to the I might drop down at 25, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, how, how impossible would that be for you right now to get back down even to, to 175? Did you, you've, you ever made actual 175? Did you? I think no. 178, did you box I out made, before? Yeah, 178. How hard was that? Jamie, truthfully, I went to Austria and that was the last time I got anywhere near 175. That was the 178, 179, tell a lie. And it, it weren't nice. I was still a kid then. I, I, I weren't as developed as I am now and I was struggling, mate, if I'm honest with you. Um, like you say, your body being six foot six... Shakan Pitters, I'd like to know how he does it, to be honest with you. What a size of a man to do that weight. But I sometimes think you can be too big at the weight and weight drain. That's a, that's a massive thing. I, I'd rather look at it that I train hard, my talent's good. long as I'm strong, I can I fight at whatever weight. Because you're six foot six, you're technically I could be a heavyweight. If, if I was strong enough to be, I'd be it. I'm, I've got the height there. So that was my main reason for moving up the cruiser. My body's telling me, right, let's go. And uh, yeah, yeah, it makes, like you say, it makes sense. In, in that question, though, the, the old Division 175, who do you think wins that? 
Bivol Baturbiev, great fight. He's a great fight, isn't it? When you Such actually, one to call. I love Bivol because I genuinely believe he, he adapts to whatever's in front of him. You look at, without no slack to Craig, you look at his performance against Craig Richards and then you look at his performance against Canelo. There wasn't a massive gap in between that, but I believe two different Bivols turn up. One turned up more in cruise control and, one, and the other one come knowing he had to be 150%, if not more. And, and that's why he beat Canelo. So I don't think you've, you're going to see the most of Bivol until he's, whoever he's in with, if you know what I'm saying. Um, Bivol points, but I say that on the, on the edge because if yeah, Turbiev gets you, he gets you. Do you know what I mean? What do you think you'll beat a heavyweight one day yourself? Definitely. Yeah. Like, I think this bridge weight is probably going to be where I, I'll actually be. But then I think you look at it, heavyweights where the money's at it's where people want to finish their career look at Bellew people like them I, I look at their careers and I kind of think oh, like that's what I dream of doing winning a world title cruiserweight and then going and earn a few quid at heavyweight why not we're, we're, we're fighters and that's what we, we we want the money out of it as well Like it's, it's the other side of boxing isn't it so um, yeah I reckon so I definitely reckon I'll, I'll dabble with it as long as I'm in the sport in another six seven years time I see our old mate Tony Bellew was piping up again this week in a bridge away <laughs> fancy seeing that Jamie I mean, I love Tony. Uh, if look, ultimately, of course, I want to see it. But I think the big question is if he if he feels he can do it and do it properly, then good luck to him. Who's anyone else to say no? If he wants to do it, and if it's in his head, and he's got something deep set in him that he has to do it, you know, then good luck to him. I would, I would do. I'd be happy for him if he was happy. I'm million percent agree on that, Jamie. Like, I just think when you're a fighter, you know yourself. We're not kidders. We don't kid ourselves. We know whether we're capable for it. And if he genuinely thinks he's capable, he, he's seen his body in the worst position and he's seen his body in the best condition. He knows whether he can get back to that peak where he needs to be. Obviously, he doesn't. No, I wouldn't want to fight Tony Bellew yet. Put it that way. And he's been, <laughs> how, how long has he been retired? Yeah, yeah, long, yeah three, I mean? four, five years now. He's, yeah. uh, he, he, he'll still have everything now, I believe. I still miss Tony Bellew fight nights. They were always my favourite at Matra. <laughs> One more question before we go to the last fan question. Would you beat Tony Bellew? <laughs> <laughs> I'll happily say not a chance. Tone, Tone would take it off. But him saying David A's haircut was pathetic. That was probably my highlight of um, of boxing. I'll put you in a pathetic haircut to sleep. <laughs> Good rivalry that was. Last shot this week is again from Various. Fabio Wardley and Fraser Clark getting on. Absolutely love this fight. Do you know what? Fab's done it. He's done it right, hasn't he? I mean, he's he's floating around. He's He was at Matram. Won the, won the obviously the British title against Nathan Gorman. He's gone over to, to Queensbury and beat David Adelaide, and now he's gone over to to boxer as he looks to take Fraser Clark out as well. This is a, a good fight, but good we're seeing the fights be made as well, John. Yeah, definitely boxing with this what's going on in Saudi and things like this is um, opportunities endless now. And even us young guns, if we want if we want it, we can go and earn a few quid. And I think the doors just opening for us that to say, look, put your heads down, take the right fights, right time, train hard, and opportunities are going to come and we, we, like we say we're seeing this now more and more with the Queensbury versus um, Matrim and all this crossover but yeah I love what Fabio's done man like he's he's never really got the respect I didn't feel like in his early days because of his white collar background and he's just proof that if you train hard he's, he, he's there and he's just like I say he never got the recognition but look at him now he's on top of the world and he's fighting on whatever show he wants to fight and he, he calls the shots now he so does yeah, he's, the, a, he's the A side now yeah he's the, exactly he's, he's, he, um, he's, he's, got, he's gone from being that who are your white collar boxer to you know you do as I say and when I say so fair play to him but um, who's, who's you pick to win I think Fabio um, I think it's a great fight um, truthfully I, I actually know Fraser quite well he, he he done a lot for me when I was on GB in England um, always just not even done a lot just a nice person kept you calm when you I was only 15, 16 so 
Um, lovely man, he's a complete gentleman, Fraser. But I just believe that Fabio, with the momentum he's got after the Adelaide fight, the Gorman fight, it'll be a very close fight for six, seven rounds. And then I think the Fabio upset a gear and, and he's, he's done it. I, I, it's just that little bit of experience as a pro. I think Fabio's dug in. That's going to play the play the factor. Definitely two of boxing's good guys. That one. Yeah. No, yeah, two well, I've not actually met Fraser Clark, but no one's got a bad word to say. Oh, about he's him. so nice. Like, uh, uh, yeah. literally, Fraser is the nice guy on G- like even on GB, he was known as the nice guy. So he's not going to change. Do you know what yeah. I mean? And I can vouch for Fab. He's a top man as well. Yeah, so. geezer. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, bring it on. Can't wait, John. Look forward to seeing you back in the Cheers, ring as Jamie. well. Uh, look forward to a big year as well for yourself. But as you say, business to take care of first. So good luck. Exactly that, mate. Well, we are actually recording all of today's podcast on some nice green suede leather chairs in the Fight Week Hotel, the Novotel in Greenwich. Great to be back in London. But yeah, big shout out to the Novotel. I'm not sure if we asked for permission to film in here, so hopefully they don't uh, cancel the pod. <laughs> it's, all a, it's all about a little gym, <laughs> isn't it? To be fair, we just shelled out for a bit of lunch, so hopefully that's uh, we call it quits. We did, we did. And um, like I just said there, though, great to be back in London. I mean, we've been on the road for a couple of weeks now to start the 2024 year off on the zone in Belfast. And then, of course, in Vegas. How's the jet lag? Steady. I mean, on the way out there, I was fine in Vegas because I was getting up early. I wasn't drinking. I was being mature. I was doing 11 p.m. till 5 a.m. And I sort of got that on lock. But then since I've been back, yeah, struggling. Just like up late and sleeping late and having to wake up, obviously, for, for fight week stuff. So, But I'm getting there. But it was a great week. Honestly, that's my third time in Vegas, which I'm incredibly humbled to be able to have done that for work. It's a special place for boxing. Uh, my favourite of the three experiences personally for me it was a bit of a bucket list moment to be in Vegas doing the interviews in the ring was was really cool what was the other two? Canelo Golovkin Canelo Golovkin Canelo Bivol yeah they just wheeled me out for the, the glory nights you know, <laughs> when they need the A team but it was uh, yeah it was it was brilliant I had a really good time yeah we were up me and Darren doing runs down the strip every morning I think that probably helped with the jet lag to be fair surprised Darren's running again now because obviously the back end of his career well, I was worried about due the to hip. the hip yeah did it pop no, out there, there was a few speed bumps and I was worried <laughs> that he was going to go for a Burton but he, he uh <laughs> He didn't. I think he was all right, but I think he's still in shape, Darren. He's wow. so slim, nothing of him. Every time, every now and again, I'm around him, and you hear about him just having that little itch. He just wants to scratch. Jake Paul, he mentioned. Do you remember he mentioned, um, was it Sturm recently Sturm, as well? Yeah, Martinez. Yeah. Martinez, was, Martinez was on Twitter. I mean, look, it's like we were talking about with Tony Bellew. <laughs> oh, it's up to them. Nah, I think Dazzling stay retired, man. I, th- I think so. And to be honest, I think it would be weird if Darren came back because I just think of him as my mate, Darren. Well, who's going to do the I streams? Even, well, yeah, that. And I don't even think of him as being a fighter. I know that sounds bizarre because of how I've known him, for yeah. the way I've known him. Like, even watching his fights back, for some reason, I find it strange. don't know. It's weird. I can't really explain it. Because we're such good friends, it's, it's, uh, it's a bit of a strange one. But it was good to see Conor Ben back in action. And I think, you know, when you look at that fight with Peter Dobson, few people a bit critical of the main event. But do you think that's probably down to the fact that if you do spend all week saying you want to wind someone out in the first round and then you don't necessarily do that, do you think that's where that criticism perhaps comes from? Is it more pressure being put on yourself? Because I didn't think it was a bad performance, really, from Conor Ben. Yeah, I take your point. I think because it was so vocal, it was so in your face about, you know, I'm going to get him out in the first round. When you don't do that, you do leave yourself open to, to criticism. I, I guess as well, don't forget, Pete Dobson's not the smallest of guys either. Yeah, he looked big in the ring. And the fight before that, Orozco was also... Yep. pretty big so I think you take them two factors into the equation as well that would be one of the reasons I think but look 
Job done. 12 rounds bank for the first time. That's another tick in a weird, in a weird sort of way. That's invaluable for I'm him. I'm sure Connor going into it probably would have, you know, been saying to himself, you know, I've, I've never done 12 rounds before, but he's done that now, so. Yeah, definitely mentally in the back of your head, it's a, it's a box that's ticked. And to be fair, he, he said that in his price fight interview. He said he, he's half over the moon and buzzing that he's, he's done the 12 rounds because like you say, it was always something that was in his mind and it looks like the next fight is going to be a big one. I mean, well, it's weird to say this, just quickly, you know, I saw a few rumours on social media that people were talking about Javonta Davis's next fight being in the UK. Do you remember when we were in Vegas? Yeah, that was strange. And I asked yep. Eddie, and I was in my head, I was thinking, well, who could he fight? And now these rumours with Conor Ben have seemingly come out of nowhere, and it does make you think, I wonder maybe if that's was, what they were maybe, talking about. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I'm speculating. We've not been privy to any of that yeah. info. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, it was about a week week or so before the yeah. fight. We was all second-guessing in the office, weren't we? But now, you know, maybe it's starting to stack up. I mean... Interview, what a fight. Yeah. Well, look, I interviewed Eddie yesterday and he said he's going to put an offer into Javonta. Presumably, that's now gone in. So we'll wait and see how that unfolds. Tank v. Ben. That's crazy. Absolute crazy. Where in would you do that? A stadium? He said Spurs? In the, he said in the US. God, that'd be unbelievable. Be fireworks. Imagine just even the build-up the documentaries build up. and just oh, everything. Yeah, First tank. face-off. Tank's, be, tank's one of my favourite fighters. Would be carnage. But look, let's be honest, it's a massive leap up for, for Connor. But he's ready. You know, he wants the big fights now. Yeah, well, it's more like he says he's ready. So ultimately... You know, you have to be led by the fighter, you know. Yep. Sometimes it's the fighter who has the reservations saying, oh, I don't know. Yep. You know, Connor feels ready. It was interesting. I heard Adel Depot talking about it on his YouTube channel. Because Connor's never won a British title or a European title, we don't really know where he's completely at yep. in the landscape of things. You know, he's, he's had good wins against fighters who are above domestic level, who, you know, on the fringe of world level and have been world champions. So it's interesting, you know, I, th I think, I wouldn't mind him personally having another fight against an opponent like Peter Dobson. I wouldn't mind seeing a step up from that, maybe a fight with like David Avanesian, and then going on to that next level. But look, ultimately, Connor's the man. If he says he's ready, he's ready. That's a tough fight. It's a tough fight against anyone, Even Avanesian. to be talking about that sort of level, that shows you where Connor is at and yeah, where he sure. wants to be. So, yeah, fascinating to see how, you know, the coming days, how that unfolds with negotiations. Obviously, there was other people calling him out on social media, Broner, Errol Spence. I like the Broner fight. It was crazy, yeah. yeah. Crazy. Well, no, no doubt whatever does happen next is going to be big because he's a, he's a big draw now, Connor. Well, look, he's, he's got the name. Draw. He's got already got the name and now, you know, he's, he looks good. He's exciting. He's got that crossover appeal in, in the States as well. So, look, it seems like it's going to be a big one next. Well, me, Darren Barker, Mike Costello on the way home from Vegas we're having a bit of a conversation and debate. That uh, just shows you we don't switch off even when the camera's on around. We still talk about boxing because we're all just boxing fans, really. Biggest name in British boxing outside of Joshua and Fury? Don't, dis don't disagree. Who, who's bigger? Don't disagree. And why? I, I don't know. I'm, looking, yeah. I'm thinking of some options. Give me some options. Well, I suppose... Eubank? I was going to say in the last three or four days, Ben Whitaker's profile has gone through the roof, but that's, just a, that's a short space. No. But do you know what I mean? So when, when you look at it like that, there'll probably be people who will be like, oh, that's utter rubbish. But you know, when you look at it like that, that's why he's able to attract these big names, because he is a big name in the UK. Let's find so out how good he is in, in you know, response to your point. Yeah. And then you know, we can go from there. Yeah. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited for Connor to prove what level he is at this year. Many, many big fights to look forward to. Um, when we look at Johnny Fisher, the run for ball, I mean, that was brilliant, wasn't it? So surreal, just hearing all these East London songs <laughs> at that <laughs> midday. It was bizarre. Yeah. It was bizarre, because it was like the Essex boys' takeover. Jimmy uh, Jimmy Sainz, George Liddard, Tony Sims, they were all over with Connor Ben, of course. And, and yeah, and Johnny Fisher brought a couple hundred over from Fair Rumford. play, honestly. Look, as a travelling... I was surprised, were you? Yeah, as a travelling sports fan who, you know, goes away and, and follows um, boxers and, and football clubs and cricket clubs, I totally respect people that shell out their hard-earned money, especially at this time of year, fresh after Christmas, 
and for the couple of hundred who went over, I mean, they all had a good time, didn't they? It was making enough noise in there. So, no, tip of the hat to them, and no doubt they'll be at the uh, Bosch Run this Saturday, which Johnny Fisher's leading in association with Alpana's Everlast at Greenwich Park. So if you're around 10.30 a.m., come on down. Some big fights being talked about and some big fights being made. Uh, one of my favourite fights that's been made recently is Fabio Wardley against Fraser Clark. We obviously know Fab very well. We're good friends with Fabio. But as I was saying to John Hedges, you know, no one's really got a bad word to say about Fraser Fraser's Clark. Fraser's a lovely bloke. Lovely bloke. He really is. Two good guys going at it. I think when you look at this, Olympic bronze medalist, Fab got the experience in the pro ring. What, what does this come down to, mm. do you think? I, I lean towards Fabio Wardley in this fight. I think so. I think he's got the momentum. Well, saying that, you know, Fraser's last couple of fights... He's on the, the upward curve. Yeah. Not not by a lot, but no, I think yeah. Fab will win. Sort of I like 60-40 maybe going in, in his favour. I think the confidence is a big thing for Fabio. You know, he's got, no, he's he's got an aura about him now. Yeah. And look, if you win this, he's going to be banging the door for either a big fight in Saudi yeah. or like a well-titled eliminator. So yeah. a high, high, high stakes. He's got this uh, not really nasty streak in him. Yeah. Away from boxing, like you're saying, nicest guy, but it almost takes him to clock one. And then he just like erupts. Yeah, I always remember starts the Gorman yeah. fight. Yeah, well, and even you know, beyond, before that, even at fight camp, I yeah. remember him getting clipped yeah. a bit, and then he chinned someone like almost immediately. But after the, after the first Gorman fight, sorry, the the fight with Gorman, I remember the first round. He lost the first round definitely, and it, I think he took a shot in the second round, and I almost heard him make this noise like ah, and so he I just came alive, yeah, just yeah. came alive, and that was and the dispatched switch. him. It's it's mad, you know. I think we talk about the five v five. If he could get through Fraser Clark, I'd love to see him fight. Uh, get in the car, little return deal with Matchroom and fight Daniel Dubois. <laughs> it's interesting talking about this transfer deadline day. Eddie, Eddie mentioned it <laughs> yesterday. So it's all getting out of hand. Yeah, I don't know, yeah. But the thing is, though, well, it's been announced in a month's time. So yeah. we have to start getting uh, some deals over. I, think the, I think the fans are loving it, though. It's a lot of, yeah, I suppose it's just the talk at the minute, right? We don't know yeah, who's going to be in it, what weight class is. It? And it's new, yeah. So but Yeah, would you like that? Wardley Dubois? Yeah, well, Dubois calling out Hergovic. So look, yeah, we'll see. If Dubois did manage to get that fight, because I think Phillips wants uh, you know, an interim fight before his world title shot. Dubois then beats him. He's number one in the IBF, maybe. So We love it, don't we? <laughs> so much going the on. who's who, the what's what, the why why. That is boxing at the minute. And, and Dalton Smith, Adam Azim. Wow. You know, one of them ones, is it too soon? No. For both? No. Just do we build it into something bigger? No, do it. I think this is does a it, fight. Does it sell Hillsborough out now, though? I don't know. Probably not, but, you know. Tony, is it a world Tony, title fight? Tony Belly didn't sell out Goodison Park for his world title fight. Um, but is I that not a world title fight? I think they could do it build? again. I think they could do it again. They're, they're two young gu two young guys, same weight division, same country, same ambitions, same aspirations. Yep. Do it now. Do it again in a couple of years. Do it again after that. Well, I am just playing devil's advocate. I yeah. think 100% it's now. Is the right I'd love to see it. I love our, I love our stance. I say ours. Matchroom stance. Dalton stance. We're in for this fight. Obviously, you've got Zapida first of all. You almost use that as the motivation for the fight with Azim we're not going anywhere so this is on you if you pull out it's on you I think boxing needs this I think we are entering a new phase where we need these fights to be happening regularly because I think the trouble is with waiting too long is that the buzz around it could die out, out do you know yeah, what I mean yeah. and now if, and if, someone, if Adam Azim or Dalton went on to lose then the, the appeal isn't quite the same of that fight but if you can build two unbeaten British prospects both looking to become world champions for the European title. It's almost like the, the final hurdle towards that world level, isn't it? The exactly. Well, well, presumably what? three belts. fight. Presumably three belts being yeah. line, right? Also, yeah. yeah. You know, win that, bang in line. Can you bang can you have British and European at the same time? Not yeah, sure what uh, the rules are. Yeah. You yeah, can. Yeah. Did Joe Joyce have Correct. three? Yeah. Okay. I yeah. thought you might have had to vacate the British, no. but yeah, 100% would love to see 
that fight next and, and we're looking forward to Reese Pilotti as well oh, versus Liam Dillon really this good weekend fight, small really matter good of that the main event on Saturday these next gen cards um, sometimes do provide some really entertaining matchups you know we saw it with Cyrus Pattinson and Chris Jenkins what a fight that was last year but this fight is one that I think will catch fire and Reese Pilotti he's someone who's been around matching for a long time you're very good friends with him Scott he's uh, he's never in a dull fight every Reese Pilotti fight is a good fight he's even desperate the ones, to win yeah even the ones he's lost ultimately have been exciting he's desperate to win because you know I was talking to someone today it's like what do you, what do, you do with Reese Pilotti if he wins this you know you potentially what European title after the one after next and then what world title eliminator you know potentially two fights away from entering you never know the top Look 15. at Lee Wood. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I always say that. Yeah. Look at Lee Wood. Beat by Jazza Dickens, yep. and everyone thought, well, now what? You know, if you'd have said now that Lee Wood was you know, going to beat Mauricio Lara and Josh Warrington and Michael Conlon, you know, yeah, I think even Lee would have gone, eh? Yeah. Really? Two or three wins on the spin, and, you know, you kind of almost free rolling, really. Like, what? whatever happens can yeah. come. So, massive fight. But on the flip side, Liam Dillon knows he's finally on the big stage. He, he beats Bellotti, then he's going to have all that in front of him. Yeah, so sure. that's why it genuinely is one of these crossover, crossroads fights, sorry, to sort of tee up where the, where the winner goes. Can't so wait. much online. Can't wait. Not just a, a great showcase of all the young stars of tomorrow, these next gen cards, but also serving up some naughty main events like we have on Saturday. Well, joining us for our charity quiz coach trip this week is Mr. Cameron Vong. Now, Cam, I said to you at Media Day this week, we've seen Conor McGregor impressions, we've seen moonwalks down the ring walk ramp. You enjoying doing things your way right now through, four, uh, through three fights? This is your fourth fight, of course. Yeah, definitely. Love being me. I've just been being me. I think uh, a lot of people had a lot of things to see on the comments section on uh, the Conor McGregor accent. Um, <laughs> good or bad? Uh, a lot of bad but uh, you know <laughs> I thought it was good I was just being me and um, people don't realise I'm always messing about Sam Jones actually said it was beforehand he was standing behind the camera going you won't do it you won't do the Conor McGregor accent and I thought I'm just going to prove you wrong here <laughs> but you know it got a million views and uh, this, you know what they say all publicity is good publicity absolutely so, yeah I thought I thought the impression was good because <laughs> we'd, we'd sort of you know talked about it in the build up and yeah. it was like I'll tee you up yeah. to say something about Conor McGregor but I think Eddie was blown away Nah, it's all good. All publicity is good publicity, like I said. It got a million views, so can't complain. And when you look at what Ben Whitaker's been doing in the last week or so, you know, it's divided opinion. Marmite, I guess, if you think about it. But like you say, you know, it, it, can you see similarities with yourself? Is that how you're going to do things through your journey, whether people like it or not? That's yeah, going to be the Cameron Vong way. Definitely. I'm just going to continue to be me, whether people like it or not. Um, what you see is what you get. Uh, it's funny because... As an amateur, Ben Whitaker, someone I was watching coming up, someone I looked up to uh, in, in a boxing sense. So yeah, I think what he's doing is good, good for the sport, and he's getting a, he's getting a lot of eyes on him, and that's what it's all about. That's how you get the money fights and them big pay-per-view fights. That's how that's how you go about doing it. And before we talk about this weekend, not seeing you in a little while. I know you were out in San Francisco for Devin Haney Regis program. How was that experience and, and watching that one close up? Yeah, it was unbelievable to just see the magnitude of. And the level of Devin Haney it was great to be there in in America and and watch him in the flesh and he's as good as everyone says he is. Uh, he's an unbelievable fighter. Uh, adjusts so so well. Adjusts to every little thing. And I was blown away really when I watched him in person to, to see the levels. And um, that's where I'm looking to be. You know, I believe I'm getting the right fight at the right time. And uh, God willing, I'll be there one day. And tell us, Cam, come on. You, you, after the fight, you're in and out burger. 
Yeah. And who pulled in? <laughs> Devin Haney. So me and Jack Catterall were there for the fight. Watched Devin and um, went for an in-and-out burger after and we just sat eating my burger and a big Jeep pulls up, turn around and he winds his window down. It's Devin Haney and he's got his full crew with him, you know, running in and out after him. In and out, pardon the pun. Yeah, in and out. And uh, <laughs> I was sat directly opposite him. Like, he was right in my eye line and I thought, is that fate a little bit, Destiny? Do you know what I mean? Um, I would love it. Obviously, the goal is to get to that point. Uh, I wouldn't be doing it if, if I didn't think I could make it to that point in the sport, and that's definitely what I'm doing it for. So if that fight com- comes along uh, one day in the, in the distant future, I would I would definitely say yes to it. I can see you being a Devin Haney character in the years to come. What age are you now, 21? 21, yeah, still 21. a baby. I'll imagine, imagine when you're 25, 26, Jeeps, gold chains, sound good. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. <laughs> can, you, can you imagine yourself being that type of fighter? I yeah, mean, you've definitely. got two, like, this is how I want to say it, because you've got two of the most humble people I've ever known in my life in Nigel Travis and Jamie Moore in your corner. But would they let you, if that is the side you're going down and you want to be a bit flashy outside the ring, would they allow that or not? I think so, yeah. I think behind closed doors, that you know, they keep my feet on the ground and they tell us what's right from wrong. And But they let me be me. And um, that's the whole reason Jamie let us come and train at the gym. You know, I, I clicked with Nigel and Jamie and everyone in the gym straight away. I'm a humble person and the things I do in the ring... Uh, like I do have that little bit of flash, but I am humble and uh, I respect my, all my opponents that I share the ring with. Um, but I can see myself, you know, getting to that level one day and getting myself a couple of G-Wagons. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of G-Wagons, a couple of chains. Uh, no doubt, Cam. Just before we go into this quiz, final word. You're in there with Ishmael Ellis on Saturday. It's a good step up. Um, I think he's 14 and 7. Been in with Dalton Smith for Harlem Eubank. What do you expect from yourself and, and what will you be happy with? I expect a, a great perf- performance first and foremost. Uh, of course, I'm looking to get them out of there uh, in great fashion like they did. But if it doesn't come, it doesn't come. I'm going to take my time, work on what we've been working on in the gym and sparring, um, setting up little things we've been working on because I've also been working a lot on the S&C behind closed doors, getting that bit stronger, that bit bigger for the weight. And, uh, yeah, I've been doing some real, real grueling work behind closed doors, so I'm looking forward to just showcasing it on Saturday night. We look forward to seeing you back in the ring doing your thing, Cam. We are going to go now to the business end of this quiz. The charity quiz coach trip. Now I'm going to hand over to my trusty sidekick here, producer Scott, who is going to give you a little bit of insight into what you have to come. Scott. Thanks, Jamie. Cam, welcome to coach trip. It's uh, 10 questions about Jamie Moore here. So it's multiple choice, A, B or C, and you're looking to overtake Rhiannon Dixon, who's at the top, with seven. So if you come top at the end of the series, you get a nice little charity pout for a charity you're choosing. Are you ready to go? Yeah, ready to go. Here we go. Question number one. Who is Jamie's favourite fighter of all time? Is it A, Chris Eubank, B, Nigel Benn, or C, Prince Nazim Hamid? B, Nigel Benn. He's got it. One from one. Question number two. What's Jamie's favourite fight of all time? Is it A, Gatti versus Ward 1, B, Tommy Coyle versus Daniel Bazuela, or C, Chantel Cameron versus Katie Taylor 1? So we've got Gatti Ward, Coyle Bezuela, or Cameron Taylor 1. Got to be Gatti Ward. He's got it. Two out of two. Good start. Rhiannon Dixon, watch out. Number three. Excluding boxing, who is Jamie's sporting hero? Is it A, Eric Cantona, B, Cristiano Ronaldo, or C, Brian Robson? So three X-Men. Ronaldo. Ooh, you've gone early there. Sure. Ronaldo. 
Got it wrong, I'm afraid. Oh, C, what? Brian Robson. Oh, one for the old school. Yeah, one for the old school. Did you say Ronaldo just because you look a little bit like him? Now, do you know what? In Jamie's like games room at his house, he's got a picture of him and Ronaldo. And Ronaldo came to watch him fight once at, uh, when he fought in Manchester. Uh, yeah, I know. Mad I in it when he well. fought. I'm sure it was when he fought for the British title or something, but Ronaldo was at one of Jamie's fights, him and Ferdinand. Wow. Yeah. Look at that, wow. So that's why I said Ronaldo. Flex for Jamie Moore there, wow. <laughs> Question number four. What's Jamie's favourite song? Now, they're all Ed Sheeran songs here. Is it A, Castle on the Hill, B, Shape of You, or C, Bad Habits? A. He's got it right. Three out of four. How'd you know that? Because Jamie, when he's with his family and that, they always play that song on, on at like family parties and stuff like that. I know that's their song, so... Big shout out to Ed Sheeran. I know he's, he's Frank Smith's new best friend, but I'm not sure how happy he's going to be. To, I don't know, I just didn't expect that. The people, I don't know how happy he's going to be that people know that. I was thinking like maybe like a bit of Oasis or something. But no, Jamie Moore, secret Ed Sheeran fan. Question number five. What's Jamie's favourite holiday destination? You're nodding, you know this already. Yeah. Is it A, Miami, B, Dubai, or C, Tenerife? C, Tenerife. To be fair, Jamie said this is the one he will 100% get right. Yeah. You got it? Bloody hell, four out of five here. Yeah. I remember I landed in the airport to go and do some filming with Chantel before the first Katie fight. And I was asking him about some things to see in Tenerife and he interrupted me halfway through the sentence. He was like, man, I know this place better than Salford. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> so that, I've been that's been about you. 50 times to Tenerife. So. I haven't been there for a while. I used to go there twice a year back in the day with the family, but a long time ago. Question number six. What's Jamie's favourite takeaway? Is it A, Chinese, B, Indian, or C, Italian? Chinese, Indian, Italian. A, Chinese. He's on a roll! Five out of six! <laughs> Top of the leaderboard is coming your way if you can keep it up. Question number seven. Where does Jamie do his food shopping? Is it A, Sainsbury's, B, Tesco's, or C, Ask the Misses? So in other words, he has no idea. C, Ask the Misses. He's got it right again! Definitely. Jamie Moore could not pick out the shop where he goes shopping. <laughs> Question number eight. Now you get these three right. I think you're. Um, Shout out to Colleen, by the way. Colleen doing the shopping. Fair play. Question number eight. What's Jamie's shoe size? Is it A eight, B nine, or C ten? Nine. Is it nine? Bingo. Yes. Wow. Join first. Wow. Because I know he's not an eight. Because I know he's not the same size as me. But I was. Well, 50, you 50 between 9 and 10, but we, yeah, 9. We've got two questions to go. You are already joint top of the leaderboard with Rhiannon Dixon. Wow, this is uh, this pressure on now. Okay, question number 9. I'm sweating now. <laughs> <laughs> When's Jamie's birthday? <laughs> Cameron's just closed his eyes there. Is it A, November the 3rd, B, November the 4th, or C, November the 5th? So we've established it's November. 3rd, 4th, or 5th? Is it the 4th? Is that your final answer, yeah. Cameron Vong? Yeah. Well, it's safe to say you are remaining on the Christmas card list from the Moore household. That's correct. Yes! Wow. <laughs> wow. Eight from nine. This is this is scenes right here. Yeah. Top. I'm top. Guaranteed top after top this. Top of the table. And there's only a few episodes of the series left, so looking good. We've still got one question to go. This is for nine out of ten. Last question. What is Jamie's pet hate of you? What does he dislike? Is it A, your hair? B... <laughs> B, your timekeeping, or C, your showboating? C, showboating. It's got to be. 
gotta be Cameron Vong. Nine out of ten. You got it right. Yes. Wow. Because timekeeping, I'm never late. If anything, I get wrong for being too early to the gym. Because sometimes when I come in, I'll be in there before him, but I'm, I'll be shadow boxing for like 10, 15 minutes before he even comes in. So he's like, "What? You, why are you so early? What are you doing?" So I knew it wasn't that one. Never said anything too bad about me here. Well, do you know what's interesting? Scott makes up the other options, so he must not like your bonnet. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Do you know what? I seen yesterday on Twitter, I was actually crease laughing. When you put when Matrim put that little snippet video out of us, somebody commented on the video, sort that lid out, mate, and I was I was creasing lying in bed yesterday, so I don't think the people like it, but I, I think, think it's right. the best haircut I've had yet, to be fair. Yeah. Like we say, Marmite can't please everyone, yeah, can you? Well, that was a <laughs> tremendous performance. You're top of the coach quiz Buzzing. leaderboard. I mean, nine out of ten. Unbelievable scenes. So you're in line massively for a charity payout. I'd be surprised if anyone beats that. Can't complain, can I? I don't know, look, you know, you're only three fights in, but where does this achievement rank in your professional journey so far? It's got to be right at the top, hasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> got to be right at the top. Unbelievable. <laughs> well, Cam, we look forward to seeing you in the ring, back doing what you do best, ahead of a big year. A lot of talk of some big names, but first things first, business to take care of on Saturday nights. We look forward to seeing it. Nice Live on the zone. Top Thank man. You. you always say that you've always wanted to win the British title. Why is that? What first inspired your, your ambition to win that belt? I don't know. I mean, as an amateur, it's always, I think it's one of the best looking belts in boxing. Um, and I don't know why. I never really, like, I want one that goes, right, I'm going to win a world title. What, for me, it was always, I want to win a British title. And that's always been that, been that way ever since I was an amateur, so that's, that's the main reason, really. So mentally, physically, the motivation you've had in this camp to prepare yourself for, for this date on Saturday, how would you describe how you're feeling a few sleeps out? Uh, I'm, on, I'm on edge, I can't wait, I'm buzzing. Um, like you say, you just got to make, make the weight now, which is I'm pretty much a couple of pounds off it now, so I'm good. Um, yeah, I can't wait, man, I'm buzzing. And when you think about the journey you've had in this sport. You're a bit of a Cinderella man now, been on a great run. If you can hold that belt in that ring here and new, become British champion, in what way do you think that will make all the, the years, the sacrifice, worth it? Like you say, it makes it all worth it. Um, I always kind of knew that I was destined to be at this level and box for a British title and win a British title. And uh, I never gave up, like I say, I got beat a, a few times on the trot and still in my own mindset, I was, I was more than good enough to beat some of the boys that were out there and I just carried on. What's, what do you think's inspired this this run you've been on? Uh, I don't know. It's just the desire to never give up, and my, myself as a person, I just I was never I never quit. I'm always willing to fight anybody. I've taken on tough names. You know what I mean, I've always said yes. I've never like oh no, I don't want to fight him. I don't want to fight. I'll fight anybody. So I've I've worked hard to get here, and I'm I'm glad I'm here, and I'm ready to win. Just for the purposes of this race, just tell us who you're fighting and what you know about the challenge in front of you. Well, Liam Dillon, uh, a tough fighter, a tough man. I've uh, I watched I watched him win the British title. I watched it live at the time, and I thought oh, he's tough and he's fit. Game, perfect style for me. We kind of we're going to gel at some point in that in the ring, and we're going to have a good tear up. He said when he sat here a little bit earlier today that he hopes you're going to come with that same energy that you're going to go after him from the first bell. What's your response to that? And I guess, in your opinion, why will he not have to go looking for you in this fight? Uh, well, everyone's seen the way I fight, and it's not—it's never really changed that much. It's kind of also very similar to Liam himself, and like I say, at some point we will meet in the ring and we will fight. How would you describe, firstly, your style for someone who hadn't watched you before? I'd like to say that I'm a boxer fighter, but I always get drawn into having a fight because that's that's what I prefer to do, and that's what I enjoy doing more. So, 
that's kind of end up where, where it ends up. I end up becoming a fighter rather than a boxer. But I have the ability to, to box when I need to. And the power. I said, what about the equaliser? And he said, what equaliser? <laughs> <laughs> well, he'll find out, wouldn't he? That's the thing. Um, yeah, cool. it always, always, always helped me in some way, but I don't rely on it like I used to anymore. I've learned from, like I say, the bumps in the road that it doesn't always work out, so you've got to do something different. Everyone's talking about this being a bit of a phone box fight, especially Eddie Hearn. That's, it, that's an e-sales pitch. Yeah. What, what type of fight do you believe, if, if you were selling it, that this could turn into? A phone box fight. Exactly that. It's like, like I say, our styles are perfect for each other. I've always wanted someone that will come forward and, and have a war, and we're going to be in a war. And when you think about it, Reese, and what is at stake for you personally, what are you willing to put yourself through once that bell rings to make sure you become unified, Commonwealth and British champion? Absolutely everything. Anything and everything. Um, like I say, I've been through training, I've been through hell, and I'm ready to do it again on the night. So I'm ready now. If you can land your best shot in this fight, what do you believe happens? Well, when I land my best shot against other people, it, it's, it's sort of game over. Let's see if Dylan can take that. Is it any means necessary though what, what do you see in your mind being the final moments of this fight all depends how how he he approaches it like obviously everyone's gonna say oh yeah we're just gonna do this but he might he might do something different so you never know what the outcome could be um but what i do i just know i'll, I'll be the one with the belt at the end and your message to the fans and what you demand from yourself in that ring as well respectfully. watch your performance from years of hard work and stay tuned to it because it's going to be a good fight Uh, Liam, good to meet you and, and welcome to Fight Week. My first question is a simple one. To be the A-side of the main event live on design, how would you describe it's what like, this means to you? It's like a dream come true, really. Um, yeah, the opportunity come up, I should go and pass it down. Mentally, physically, uh, at this stage of Fight Week, what's going through your mind and, and how are you feeling? I'm just excited to be here and uh, I'm really looking forward to getting in there. This opportunity um, to fight Reese Bellotti, what do you know about Reese, Reese's uh, been around a long time, big come forward fighter, big knockout percentage. Uh, I was a big fan of Reese when he was up and coming. Uh, I was mad to be like fighting him now, but um, I want my hands on that Commonwealth title. I feel like it should have been mine already when I won a Commonwealth Eliminator. I was still mandatory when I won the British, so I feel like I'll, I need to do this. How aware of the, uh, people have called it the equaliser, how aware of the, the power do you have to be? The equaliser? What's that mean? Well, that's what people have referred to Reese Bilotti's punch as. Um, I mean, I fought big punches before. I thought when I won the Commonwealth Eliminator, I was against a big, big puncher. Yeah, I took it well. I've always had good durability, so I guess I'll find out when I'm in there. To be honest. <laughs> when you when you started, Liam, why was the British title something that, that you wanted to win? They were just always the best fights growing up. Like, I used to turn on Sky Sports and it used to be a British title fight, and it always big when they unified the British and the Commonwealth together. So, um, yeah, it feels amazing to be part of it on matchroom shows, which I used to watch growing up, headlining British and Commonwealth titles. So, yeah, man, these are the type of things I used to dream of when I was like 13, 14 years old when I first got into the sport. And when you beat Kez Ashfak, do you remember the feelings, the emotion uh, when you heard Anna New and you, and you had the belt put around your waist? I mean, that was just a surreal moment when I, when I beat Ashfak. I had such um, a hard camp in the build up. I had a fight cancelled for the British and then. It didn't look like it was going to happen for a while, but Kez stepped up. But, um, yeah, we had a brilliant camp for that. And then, um, yeah, when I won the title, I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I've done it. it just, you know, it's one of the moments where you feel like I shouldn't be here. I remember when I got in the ring and all the camera crew was around me, British title was there, and I was just like, nah, this shouldn't be 
be happening. I shouldn't be here right now. <laughs> is it one of them ones that when you watch it back, it almost doesn't even feel like a shit? Yeah, I don't really like watching my fights back. It kind of makes me cringe a little bit. It's like watching your interviews back and you like, don't like the sound of your own voice. But um, yeah, I remember just seeing, I remember watching it back um, when they announced me as the winner. I was like, I just still don't feel right. Do you know what I mean? People are talking about this fight and the fans are talking about how they feel it could look. <laughs> when you look at the two styles, if you were selling this fight on a market store, what do you think we could look ahead to? I mean, I can't really speak for Ace. I think he's always been a come forward fighter. He's on a three fight win streak from coming forward and just bullying his opponents down, which is kind of the way I like to fight. So I'm really looking forward to him. I'm hoping he comes at me. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that part of it. But. Um, just looking forward to a good scrap, really. You say that, you know, when you look at his, his last couple of fights, you said Kamari, mutual opponent with yourself, yeah. of course. Akim Fiaz was, was a good win for him. Yeah. You say he bullied them. Why do you believe he won't be able to do that to you? What separates Liam Dillon? I mean, I'm just a roughly toughy scaffolder, mate. Scaffolder by day, boxer by night, is what they've been saying. But, um, yeah, I'm just looking forward to a scrap, really. If it, I'm, I'm hoping he comes at me, and then I'm going to go at him, and we're just going to go for it. Me in the middle? Yeah, man. <laughs> in terms of, of how? how you believe you, you win this fight. Uh, what are you willing to, to go through, first of all, to make sure you, you go home as the, the unified British Commonwealth champion? I just think my determination. I mean, I've been in fights. I mean, as I said, when I won the Commonwealth Eliminator, I, I thought I was losing the first six rounds, and it was a point where it was like, you've got to really knuckle down now. And then I won the last six straight. I mean, I've, got, I've realized I'll do whatever I've got to do to get my hand raised, you know what I mean? When it comes to the last rounds and it's close, I'm the one who's going for it. And what have you seen in your mind, being in the ring after the fight? What have you seen and what have you heard when you visualise Saturday? Actually, I don't know how they're going to announce it, but um, I will be the Commonwealth champ by the end of it. And still. And still. And still won the new. Yeah, well, I think they just say and now, wouldn't they? <laughs> and now British and Commonwealth champ. Uh, and just final message, uh, Liam, to the fans. What do you demand from, from yourself and what can you promise them? I'll give it 110%. There is no backward step for me. I'm going to go for it. And I think it's going to be a great watch, to be honest. If Reese comes at me the same way I've seen him do every fight before, I think it's going to be a really good fight. I'm mm -hmm. really looking forward to it. Wish you the best of luck, mate. Cheers. Thank you so much. Top man. Well, that's it for today's show. Really enjoyed that, actually. Thanks to our guests, Reese Bellotti, Liam Dillon, Craig Richards, Cameron Vong and John Hedges. Before we go, don't forget to give us a follow or subscribe across your preferred podcast platform and tune in on Saturday here in London, Indigo O2 Arena, the latest instalment in the Next Gen series with Matchroom. One place to watch it all, that's the zone. <laughs>